The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and we are here again today to discuss another great topic in career development. Today, we're excited and honored to have Jan Melnick on the phone with us, and Jan has been writing resumes since 1983, which is amazing, and she has such a wealth of knowledge that she's going to be sharing with us today around how to extract your key differentiators to create an impactful resume. So, Jan, you've been featured in numerous publications, and I know you speak all over the nation, and and you're also on our Career Thought Leaders Board and have been participating in the career industry for a long time at a very high level. So thank you for taking the time today to come and talk with us. Well, thank you, Marie. It's such a pleasure to join you. Yes. So, Jan, today we're going to be talking about resumes, and I know that lots of people find it challenging to talk about themselves, right, to toot their own horn. And so you are an expert in helping people do that and getting the information out that will really help differentiate them. So how do you think, how do you get clients to think in terms of describing what separates from them from the competition? Well, you framed a very interesting question, and I'm going to go back to the toot your own horn. I love to remind folks that it really is about doing that and not blowing their own horn. There is a subtle distinction, and it goes to grasping what their real value proposition is. When we work with folks in sales and marketing, they get that. Many others do not. And so my approach that's proven to be very effective in helping clients get comfortable in articulating their value prop is to really dive deep and ask such questions that go in the side door. Things like, how would your manager describe you? Many folks can go right into a response with that sort of a cue as opposed to being asked to describe themselves and their own strengths. Same way as the question, well, what would happen if you didn't show up? What wouldn't get done? What wouldn't happen? And again, most folks can go right to, well, this project, this is really important. It wouldn't happen. We wouldn't meet our goals. Our customers would be dissatisfied. The vendors would be unhappy. They're able to get into the kind of detail. And you may even have picked up in my voice the underlying passion about what drives them to do well in their work. So those are the ways I begin to get at that question. And then to break it down even more, I love to ask them the top two or three things that they have done, at least in their more, most recent position and depending on number of years, we'll go backward a little ways. And most can get to that, but then we really have to delve into that to learn what was going on at the time. What was the context that now makes this achievement so important? It's the classic car story challenge, action, result, and I like to add to that strategic impact. So give me the, so what? What does that mean? And by translating it, it really allows them to understand what it is they did that was so unique and tell that story in a way that's compelling. Right, and I think that's where a lot of people 
get stuck is that they want to sound great, but they don't think about the importance of the story, not necessarily just the, the soundbite, right? The soundbite is important, but the soundbite told in the context of your story is so much, one, easier to talk about, right? And you're telling the story, you're not, you're not just sitting there and boasting, you're, you're telling the story in context. And then two, it's actually more powerful then just the result by itself doesn't give any of the juice, right? It doesn't give any of the sizzle of how difficult it was to get there or what challenges you overcame to do that. That's exactly right. And as a writer, we'll take that side of it, when working to develop a resume, you need those car stories with real quantified examples, real precise articulation of exactly what was delivered, ideally through the lens of what's going to be transferable in the next role to the next employer, to the next company. But at the same time that we as writers might be working with someone to craft that on a resume, we are preparing those individuals to interview more effectively because now they own that story. Now they can really focus on the two or three lines that capture it on a resume and then break it back down in an interview, not with a 10 or a 12-minute story, but a 90-second, a two-minute story, one that begins to impart more of the details, and they can do that with passion, and that's so important for the interview side of it. Yes, and I like to do what you just mentioned is really look at what the employer's looking for and then dig in for stories that are related. And that can be a great way to get to get those conversations started as well is to really look at, okay, what's the employer looking for and work backwards from there. When have when have you done that? When what projects have you been on where you where you had to exercise those skills and that can get out some great stories that perhaps we wouldn't think about if we just sat down and tried to write down our top three accomplishments, which I know is a challenge for many people to do that kind of out of context, if you will. It certainly is. And actually, that exercise can be very effective on the career coaching side because sometimes it brings into very specific relief, gee, you don't really seem to have any of the very key go-to skills that the employer is looking for. Are we sure this is the direction you want to target? And, of course, we're more diplomatic than that. By the same token, when they find that, whoa, I can hit every one of these things, that really empowers them from being perhaps reticent around, am I qualified? Should I pursue this next jump up? To feeling very empowered, very confident. Yes, I've got precisely the skills that they are seeking. And here are my examples, well told in a framework that is going to support me throughout the interview process. Yes. And those those stories, you know, people always get so um, overwhelmed preparing for an interview because they think, well, I've got to be able to answer every question. And even on their resume, they'll have it four pages long because they've got to tell everything. And the truth is that that's that's not what an employer is looking for. They're looking for very specific answers to very specific questions on both the resume and the interview. And if you think a little bit about what they're really looking for, you can make it a lot less overwhelming. That's exactly right. And it's far better to have three or four really well-developed stories. Sometimes we'll pull two or three specific car stories to support an overwhelming project or key accomplishment that has multi-layers. And that really does prepare well to get into an interview and know that they can go deep if asked that question and they're reading body language and they're seeing that it's resonating with the interviewer. Now they've got more. They can pull this right out. They can refer to the resume. They own it because it is their story and they've walked through the process of developing it as part of creating the resume. And just a footnote on that, as we're talking about their story, you know, there are some things that come out of our industry that are talking about the, you know, telling your story and using the first person. And I would love your opinion on this. I believe that they can tell their story without first person unless that is appropriate. What do you guide clients to do? You know, how can you tell your story? Do you have to, does it have to be in first person on your resume? What, do, what are your thoughts around that? My thoughts are pretty clear. Um, one of the few black and white rules that I use, and that is on a resume, a, pro- a pronoun, an I is not appropriate ever. 
um, ever. I, I draw the line there. On LinkedIn, however, very different approach. Should be in the first person, both the summary and the amplified experience sections, highly branded, cohesive and complementary to the resume, but very different. It should not be just cut and paste, even though LinkedIn admonishes you to get to 100% by pasting in your resume. Don't do that. So on the resume, no. First person is not necessary. Beginning with strong and compelling verbs almost always is the way to go. An occasional use of a poll quote from an outstanding review or letter of commendation might be used in italics. Even in that case, I would refrain from using a pronoun. Um, Does not need to be in the first person. Right. And I think that that, you know, there's this push against resume speak and being generic and telling your story automatically means you won't be generic, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's appropriate to be, un, I consider, unprofessional when we're using those first-person pronouns in our in our resume. Unless perhaps you're applying to a very new age company, then it, it you know, I, I'm a little less black and white on that one. It may be appropriate, but I've really, you've really got to convince me that you know that that company's culture enough to do that. That, that is very true. Um, a good example would be Apple. They, they break a lot of the rules in a very fun way for the types of folks that they want to hire to work in their Apple stores in the retail environment. They are looking for something very different than what we would typically advise clients pursuing employment in almost any other setting. And so that is true. Know your audience. Um, and, and I can say definitely bend the rules as appropriate, but do so in a very deliberate, informed fashion. Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back in just a few minutes and continue talking with Jan and soaking up her expertise around how to create an an outstanding resume. We'll be back in just a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. Do you feel it when you work with marketing or PR firms? They're moving in slow motion. Or they just don't know what they're talking about. You won't get that on Marketing at Lightspeed. Host Ethan Raziel and his guest experts will deliver tips and tricks that work at Lightspeed. If you want to accelerate your company's marketing, listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're delighted to have Jan Melnick with us. And she is sharing some great insider tips on how you can distinguish yourself on your resume and really dig in to get content that is unique 
to you and also communicates value to the employer. So, Jan, we've been talking about the power of their story and how that story is very easy, perhaps, to to get into being specific and unique. But, of course, we all know that it's it's not as easy as it sounds. So some people really struggle with being able to toot their own horn, as you've said. How do you help those more reticent, bashful clients who take for granted what they've done well? Well, I think one of the ways that we can help folks appreciate their own value is to really walk them through what it is they do on a day-by-day basis, listening for the intonation that leads us to, okay, they're really psyched about this. This is important. This matters. Pushing, pushing, pushing gently, um, but encouraging them to, to get to that. Humor is a great tool. And if someone is very, very reticent and saying, well, it's not really that important. It doesn't really matter. And the type of individual I'm thinking of is not a C-suite executive. It may be a more entry level, even to mid-tier professional that just hasn't grasped the ability to tell what it is they do. So I will use humor and, and even say such provocative things. So if you never showed up again, no one would ever know. And I point them to that Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want, where there's an actor who goes throughout the movie up to the point of almost suicide, thinking no one notices her. She doesn't matter what she does, makes no difference. So I tell them, if, if you never showed up it would not matter at all. And then they begin to object and they begin to tell me things. And by weaving in some of those other questions, we can get to, well, what is it that you do? Do you have performance evaluations or appraisals? Do you ever get letters from customers, commendations, out of persons, kudos that you can extract some of what others have said about you that you know to be true? What is your authentic self saying that you know differentiates from others? What is the one or two types of things you do that you know nobody else can do? Well, if I didn't show up, I know that customer service would not be as strong or well-completed. Well, why is that? Well, I, I stay. I go above and beyond. What does that mean? Well, we don't have to check out till 5, but I'll be there at 5.30 or quarter of 6 finishing up orders. Okay, so now you're telling me more about what it is that's driving you to exceed, to excel in your role. You push and push to get more of those specific stories, and yes, some of them may be mundane and don't actually make it onto a resume, but it's letting you know, a writer know, what is it that's driving this person? Obviously, we frame similar questions as we would for anyone. What are those signature capabilities? And we keep pushing gently when they say, well, there's nothing I do that's really special. Gee, anybody could come in and do my job. Well, what have customers said about what you've done? What have peers said? Have you ever trained anyone else? Were you ever tapped to share your expertise? Those kinds of things help to get at what it is they do that might frame a story that differentiates. Right, and one of the keys there that I'm hearing you say in a lot of different ways is getting that external perspective can be great if you're having a hard time coming up with wonderful things to say about yourself or if you're working as a resume writer with a client who's having trouble, ask that external perspective. What would your what would your peers say about you? What do you make easier for your boss? All of those questions that get at someone else's perspective versus us having to toot our own horn, which as you have said is a challenge, when we can put it in other people's words, that can make it a lot easier. That is so true. And part of that too is really getting at the emotion because if we can help a person tune into what it is that gets them jazzed and there are lots of ways to ask the question, well, what, what are you thinking on Sunday night? And some are saying, I never want to go to work again. Okay. You've got to go to work. What is the one thing that you really do like doing? If you think about your perfect job, your next ideal role, what elements would it include? What would be some of the things that you would ensure be a part of that description? Conversely, what would you like to leave behind and never have to do again? And that helps folks that are 
unable to really put a bead on what it is that they want to do next, get better at defining some of the areas that are going to be a fit, which can then go to culture, what environment do they thrive, what kind of leadership do they need to be successful, what sort of peer relationships, are they going to work from a home office, is that a positive or a negative for them, how would they frame that part of the story, and just getting them talking about all these wraparound characteristics of the workplace can then help to bring up, oh, well, now that you mention it, I forgot to tell you about this particular story. And as they begin to tell, typically in their understated way, we can help discern that's a good story. That's something there that I'd like to know more about. And that's the kind of thing that can happen in an interview. Let's prepare you so you can direct the conversation to that story in the interview. And now it becomes a sense of pride. They gain the ownership and the light bulbs begin to go off as they do that. From what I'm describing and in my personal practice, this is not something typically that happens quickly. As you know, my consultations, and I don't use questionnaires, um, so my work with clients tends to be two and a half to three hour consultations, whether it is with somebody that we're discussing right now or a very accomplished executive who could tell these stories all day long, um, getting them to hone in on what is the most important and what do they want to do next becomes more the challenge there. Yes, yes, and I think that's so important. If someone is trying to do their own resume, find someone who will go through your work history with you. Find, you know, and maybe it's a colleague, probably not a spouse, but I think that's one of the most powerful things that a professional resume writer does for someone is help them really get outside of themselves by asking great questions. And you need that to be able to really dig deeper what you've written on your on your resume isn't bad. Most of the time when I see someone who's written their own resume, it's not bad. It just leaves so much out, right? It, it just doesn't say, it doesn't do them justice. And as, as we know, if you're not going to do it, no one's going to do it for you. In fact, I was giving a talk at a job fair once and about resumes and someone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, you know, this sounds great, but I I can't put accomplishments on my document. It just doesn't fit for me. And I thought, well, then you're probably not going to get hired because this isn't a personality contest. It's it's a what can you do for me tomorrow contest. And our resumes have to be able to show that. Absolutely. It's a showcase that opens a window into what their capabilities are. And depending how urgently and um, sincerely they want to make the next move or need to make the next move if they're unemployed, secure a job, it becomes the deal breaker. And it is so important because you've got seconds to compel attention to read more, read more deeply and grasp value proposition. And if they're not able to do that, um, unless they've got a great person making an introduction on their behalf, so the resume becomes less important in a door opening scenario, they've got to recognize that they're leaving a lot up for grabs if they're not able to differentiate on paper. And if, if, you can take an exercise, um, and I like to do this near an end of a consultation. So in summary here, if you wanted to leave me, now that we've talked about all these stories, you wanted to leave me with a one or two things that truly serve to separate what you believe are important characteristics to your background when you're being vetted as a candidate for X, Y, Z. What do you think those top things are? And after two to three hours of discussion, I find that even the most bashful of clients is able to circle back and begin to connect some of those dots. Of course, that helps me as a writer because it will generally confirm what I was thinking. It'll affirm that, yep, I'm on the right track. I'm capturing this person's value prop, and this is going to be an authentic document, which, of course, it must be. But now they're getting it. They're beginning to see the importance of that and knowing that it can't be that they've got all 100 skills that they think are important or even take the 50 strengths on LinkedIn. can't be a laundry list. It's got to be those few things that are really elevating them as very qualified professionals. Right, and I was just about you about to ask you to clarify that term, that value proposition. So, just in your in your words, there again, 
when you think of a value proposition that a candidate needs to come up with, what does that what does that mean? How can they know if they've gotten there or not? Oh, that's a great question. So I'm going to do a totally spontaneous, unprepared response. Um, value proposition is what an individual is able to deliver that, in my mind, goes beyond what any threshold, what any benchmark requirements would be for a role that matches with what an organization is seeking to do, very forward-thinking, and it is an encapsulation of all the very key components necessary to achieve that end result. And it's done in a way, when it's in writing or even delivered as part of a 30-second elevator, a networking meeting, or an interview, it's done in a way that embeds the right precise keywords, not just a data dump, but the right keywords that quickly frame the statement so that the listener reader grasps, yes. Marie's got what we are looking for, has proof of performance articulated throughout in the case of a resume, and it's clearly going to drive us in the direction we are planning to go. So that's a rather rambling response. No, I love it. And most of the time when people talk about or think about brand, they just think about themselves, what's what's their best stuff. And what I love about what you're saying is that it has to be framed in what the employer needs. We can't have a, a brand that's developed in a vacuum. It really has to speak to how that meets the employer's needs as well as how it's unique to us. Very much so. In fact, that is why the demise of the objective statement, seek a challenging opportunity, giving me a chance to build my skill set and learn new things, right, went the way of the Conestoga wagon some 15 years ago. We've not been using objective statements for that very reason. It's all about what the client or the individual is seeking. And yes, that's important to them in their job search, but it never should be articulated in writing. Rather, focus on what you can deliver that meets the needs of that employer, because frankly, that's all they care about. Right. Which is challenging for some people to think about that the resume is not really about them. It's more about what they can do for the employer. That's right. Drawing those connections between their background, their capabilities, fit with the organization, and what they can do going forward. It's not an obituary. (laughs) Right. I love that. I love that statement. I make it all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so now that we have our stories out and we've collected some of that data, what do they do to, to, to make those high impact statements? So how do you craft the information into a high impact statement for your candidates? Well, key, of course, is knowing the full story so that you can then edit it down very, very tight. I try to restrict most of those top-end, high-value proposition statements that go in the profile, the most important real estate on a resume, the top one-third of the first page um, of um, speaking a typical two-page executive resume or any professional resume. So three one-liners that pack a real punch. And it's, again, knowing the story so well, it's later amplified in a few lines later in the resume. But we boil it down, boil it down. And in knowing we were speaking today, I pulled two recent resumes just to share how these developed. In each one of these, one line um, set in, you know, 11-point, 12-point to Homer or something, Calibri. So a standard font, just a regular line leading with a bullet. In this case, I'll share an example for a C-level operations executive. And the first bullet is transformed Best Buy from flat performance to 12% average annual growth in two years. Next bullet, same resume. Developed and launched game-changing wireless franchisee royalty model preserving $22 million profit. Third bullet, selected as member of elite team to develop strategic launch initiative for Cole's first international expansion. And so took the three most important jobs and not 
coincidentally, the three more recent jobs in his career path and built one key top-end statement for each of the most important accomplishments for them. And that, which I read in one minute, took an hour or more to develop because you're delving into the story, then you're really honing down and pulling out what's most important. All of those kinds of statements are predictive of the direction he wants to go for his next career move. So even though it's only a few words, it's some of the more high-value content on that resume. Yes, I love them. And this is a new, modern take on the summary, right? So instead of having those blasé resume words that um, you may be reading articles about getting rid of, well, specific statements about your or your client's careers are automatically not going to have that blasé feel, right? They're, they're, they just can't. They're specific. They're memorable. They, they share great data. And so I love that new element, or perhaps even that's pe- some people's entire summary. And it could be, I will tell you, I love to do a lead-in. I like to create a branding statement um, for each of my clients in the profile. And so before I kick off the, and it's almost always three, sometimes four, never two. So three or four of those bullet points, I will lead in with a branding statement that is no more than two lines. I typically italicize the branding statement. And so that would have some of the words we might more typically associate with a summary that we might have written five or six years ago. So some of the words would be familiar. I can share the summary for this person, the branding statement, if you like that level of detail. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, let's dive into that and maybe pick apart a few of those those bullets and really talk about why they work. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement that is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution, and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking from the boardroom to you voice america business network you are tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are 
grateful to have Jan Melnick with us talking about resumes and how to differentiate yourself on your resume. So Jan just read some great statements that she uses as the majority of a summary for an individual, and we're going to dive back into those. But before we go there, we just had a great question from a an email guest here, an email listener, that I wanted to share with you because it's perfect uh, in terms of helping us get out of a, a mind rut, if you will, around how resumes work, Janet. So someone just wrote in and said, so I'm putting in my summary that I have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. And it sounds like perhaps that's behind the times. And I'd have to tell you that that phrase ability to is one of those that just grates my nerves whenever I see it in a resume because it's so ineffective. And Jan, tell us, tell us what you would have someone do instead. Well, clearly show not tell. So we want to take what that ability is and let's say it is to transform an organization or lead it through a period of disruptive change. We want to jump right in and tell what that story was. Um, an example that aligns with that, led organizations through disruptive change following departure of five long-tenured executives in less than 12 months created and executed strategic vision with clear goals and metrics-based accountability. So we're telling what it was, not saying have ability or proven ability to lead organizational change, blah, 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 which is boring. Instead, we talk specifics. We use numerals for any numbers, even under 10. We break that rule from English. Um, Numbers, numerals bring great impact on a resume. So it's being specific about what it is that proves that ability. Same as we never would state responsibilities include, or even worse, my tasks or my duties. Never, never, never. Stay away from first person. Stay away from tasks, duties, and responsibilities. Instead, say what you did. Lead with a verb. Yeah, so one of your short statements that you read to us before break, you just expanded on a little bit, but walk me through why that's so powerful. It starts with a verb, your lead transformation. Just walk me through that and what elements of that make it work. Exactly. Well, I think for purposes of this example, uh, for listeners, if I take the middle bullet that I had shared, developed and launched game-changing franchisee royalty model, preserving $22 million in profit. Obviously, $22 million in profit is a big number for almost any size organization. So a reader is likely to want to know more. That is amplified in a strategic infrastructure slash operational accomplishments section on page one of the resume. And in that section, there are just four very high impact, but more detailed examples. And using that same one, the real story behind that is amplified here. Created innovative model based on gross profit, not on traditional revenue, and leveraged influence of elected franchisee advisory council in shift from commission structure. Influenced more than 50% of franchisees to voluntarily convert to new contract, mitigating $22 million in gross profit risk under former structure. So it tells the story in a way that takes just three, really two and a half lines. So it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's very abbreviated, but it gives enough detail to support the high-end statement that's right up at the top of the resume. And in drilling down, grasping the detail, understanding the full story, in note-taking when doing a consultation, that might take up half a page of my notes for me to then boil down, boil down, really synthesize what it is that is so significant that we are saying, and then doing that for each of the key stories. It's why good resume writing, in my opinion, isn't something that's flashed off, dashed off quickly, and it's not an inexpensive proposition. Rather, it's an investment to do it properly, both individuals taking their own time to do it or if they're retaining a professional to work with them. 
Right. And so you're making sure that the story is told in a way that leads with the impact, right? We're not saying what we did and then the impact is at the end. You're leading with the impact. You're quantifying whenever possible. And we understand that some jobs and some accomplishments are more quantifiable than others. But whether you can quantify or not, you're you're speaking to value. So the value that that brought to the organization may or may not be quantifiable, but you're really leading with that, which makes this a standout sentence, right? Exactly, exactly. And to the point about quantifying, you're right. There are lots of folks that work in professions that aren't measured. There aren't metrics in place. There aren't numbers they can point to. If they're not in sales, sales is a no-brainer one. We always have good numbers there. But other people may not be working in a place where that happens. So you can go about it a couple of different ways. Well, tell me what it meant to the organization. Were you able to retain customer relationships? Were there customers in danger of defecting that you helped turn around? What did you do? How did that take place? And then we can tell that story in a way that's compelling without numbers. And I will occasionally use the word substantial or significant if if I know for certain that that would even be an understatement. Um, and my, my go-to recommendation for anyone writing their own or retaining a professional is to always understate, never overstate. Never put yourself in a position when interviewing typically is where this would happen, where you are forced to defend a number or a statement that you might have exaggerated just a tad. So rather than, you know, more than 300,000, I'll say nearly 300,000. So that we always go on that other side of it. Um, It's a far better posture. Folks will tend to fudge dates. Typically when it comes to appointments or elected office, community civic, well, I think it was five or six years. Yeah, you can put six years, and now they're interviewing through recommendation of someone that they only serve two years with. So never put yourself in that position. Be accurate to a T and then understate. Those little details can come back and kick, and I, I went off the track here a little with you, but I just wanted to work that in. Yes, no, that's great. That's very true. We want to be comfortable with everything we've put on there. And if you want to quantify it, that can be great, but you want to be accurate with that quantification and always underestimating is a good way to make sure that you do both. Get that quantity in there and and yet be comfortable that what you're saying is on the underside, if anything, not, not exaggerating. That's right. That's exactly so, right. Right. So when we look at those statements, they're short, they're sweet, but yet they tell the story. They say what the result was. They also tell the challenges. You're minimizing adjectives, if you if you will. So you, you talked about it being game-changing, but that was the only adjective, I think, in all of those that you read, right? We're not overusing those types of words. We're being very precise and specific, not flowery. That, that's exactly right. I'm looking at that third bullet, a strategic launch initiative. That's factual. That's everything that it was. We're not saying it was uh, overwhelmingly positively received. You know, we're not doing that at all. We're being very precise, um, and that is key. And I think that's another mis- myth that people have about branding is that it's all about these adjectives, and really a great brand is built by creating a theme with your accomplishment stories, not necessarily by using a lot of adjectives. That, that is exactly right. And the branding statements, I, there are many, many ways to, you know, skin a cat or whatever the expression is. And so folks go about developing those in very, very different ways. I find typically at the very end of a resume writing process, so this has followed two and a half, three hours of conversation. I have a week of synthesis. I have a week in which I write. Now, I'm not writing for the whole week, but that's where the pieces are coming together. At the end of that whole process, process, typically the branding statement flows like water because I have now immersed myself in this person's identity. And if an individual is doing it themselves and they've taken some of the steps and exercises we've suggested, how do others describe you? What do other people say? What do your performance evaluations point to? They're getting that kind of objectivity that should enable them to step 
back, now grasping what their key differentiators are, what their value prop is, and be able to craft that branding statement. It is probably the most the most important thing on the resume supported by those three or four value prop statements, but it is something that normally doesn't happen quickly, but in my case, it's a process that gets to uh, in a way that's very authentic. Yes, and I don't know if you feel comfortable reading the branding statement that preceded the bullet points that you shared with us. Certainly. (laughs) Accomplished senior-level executive with passion for leading teams and delivering exceptional results. Flawless record of innovative leadership in growth and profitability, business development, and turnaround across broad industry segments. And then each one of those, if you dissect it, is backed up just in those three follow-on bullet points. Yes, and that allows you to get in, you get in some of those key words, you get in some personality, and I think people often see those as perhaps, quote-unquote, hollow, and they can be, but if you're writing something that actually speaks to your candidate's passion, it's not hollow, it's it's who they are. Not at all. And in fact, um, this, this resume has gotten him tremendous traction. Um, it's, it's remarkable, but it absolutely aligns with who he is, what he delivers, um, combined with the rest of the document, supports every one of those statements and very, very nicely amplifies what his unique role to contribute next will be. Yes, and you make that short because some readers want that. Some readers, that's the first place they go. They want to see who this person is. And some readers will skip over that. Um, and that's okay, right? It's, totally you're fine. giving many different readers an opportunity to start where they want. For the very same reason, we recommend a very, very distinctive cover letter, knowing fully some folks don't even care. Some folks put more weight on the cover letter. So, Give it to them. They can toss it aside. No harm, no foul. Right. So tell me a little bit about formatting, because I know we're always being creative here in our in our industry. How do you see formatting and its use in making these, these statements pop? I would say uh, the overriding theme today is to write clean and write lean. It is all about enabling... Power browsing, gaining eyes for a few seconds through the use of a lot of white space. That's been preached for many years, but I think more so today than ever before. It is really writing in an abbreviated style. Um, I like to borrow from colleagues some of their thought leadership on the subject. And one of the phrases I love is start with the wow, which I try to do in those branding statements and those differentiating characteristics. Writing tight and leaving the muscle, losing the fat, which is another way of saying to focus on what's important. And it's always a challenge when we are dealing with very accomplished individuals who have no difficulty at all articulating their value props and can do so page upon page upon page or hour upon hour. And so really refining and and synthesizing and drawing it down to the essence, that is the challenge for an individual doing it themselves or the professional working with them and just constantly going back trying to be objective as a writer to know that you don't have to tell the whole story. It's not an autobiography or a biography. It would be 500 pages. I I joke with my clients and tell them that. But don't you want to tell them? Don't you want to tell them? No, you want to tell them when you get before them for an interview. Let's create a document that's going to do that for you. And so just the highlights. You want to lure them in with absolute value prop that's authentic, and then they can tell the full story. So that trend is reflected in that power browsing resume. Lots of subheadings that are appropriate to the individual. There's no cookie-cutter approach. There's no template. But, for example, that one resume we've used as an example, it has several subheadings. Turnaround leadership is one category. Strategic infrastructure operational accomplishments is another that I had mentioned. And that allows us to 
break out some things that can be grouped together without having to restate where it falls. And it, I'm not talking functional. That's within a particular position. Um, resumes, in my mind, still should be reverse chronological. Uh, for 99% of folks, we can be much more creative in the profile for people for whom an old-fashioned functional resume might have worked 15 or 20 years ago. You can do a lot of what would have been accomplished up in the profile. But for everyone else, it's really reverse chrono, and it's writing short. It's having three, four, five bullet points at most, no laundry lists, and each line, two lines long in length, 99% of the time. Um, I will typically insert one graph only. I don't like to go crazy on the um, bells and whistles, but um, for this particular client, I've got a cute little EBITDA dra- uh, graph up in the upper right corner of the the position that it sits in, and next to it are three lines of copy, not my usual two. And so really making short, easily navigated, lead with a verb, and lots and lots of white space. I will go under the paragraph feature and open up extra letting space between the lines to give even more visual read. And it just allows the document to flow smoothly, lots of numerals, dollar signs to pop and bring that eye through and very judicious use of bold. I don't uh, tend to go overboard there. I reserve it for what's really most important. And then edit, edit like your life depends on it. Take out the superfluous words. Shrink each line. See it as a challenge. Okay, it's a line and a half. How can I get this to one line and really show the impact? I think that's critical. Perfect. And so... How can my listeners get in touch with you, Jan, if they want to learn more or read more of your great wisdom? Well, thank you. I think probably easiest for them would be through my website, which is simply Jan at janmelnick.com. Melnick is M-E-L-N-I-K. And on my website, lots of info about what I do to help my clients. But near the back end of the site, there are some sections that share my thought leadership around some of the topics we've been discussing, as well as interview tips and strategies. And so there's some good content right there on the website that folks can find uh, to help them. But I'd love to hear from anyone who has a question or whom I can help. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jan, for being on the show today. We appreciate your insights. We're going to say goodbye to Jan. Jan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Marie. It was fun. So thank you so much, Jan, for sharing your information. If you're listening, I hope you'll get in touch with Jan and and soak in some more of her wisdom. We've enjoyed having you here today on The Career Confidant, and we'll be back next week with another great topic for advancing your career. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.